0: 9 to 13. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, pull it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the... Secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength.
1: Thank you. a lethal mother-daughter combo there. that might mess you up don't be putting stuff on my table (laughs) hey good morning everybody so like uh, like Caitlin said it is really a joy to be with you all Um, it's a highlight of of, a week for me uh, just to get to be here and open God's word together and how cool is it that um That the Word of God is uh, approachable to anybody, no matter what our age is. That we can come to the Word of God and we have equal access to God's goodness and His grace and His truth. And um, that's something that we value highly here at the bridge. Hey, could I pray for this next uh, part of our morning? Um, Lord, we just want to ask that you would do what you do. You tell us that what we can bring to the table... Is a hunger for truth, a hunger for things of your kingdom, the kingdom of God, a humility of spirit, and just a like a willingness to um, a willingness to do what you ask of us. so Lord, we open up your word right now, and as we do that we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up just like our individual worlds to you, and we ask, Father, that you would come in, rearrange some things if necessary, because we know that whatever you do, uh, you leave us better than you found us. So we thank you, Lord, we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, I noticed that uh, I've got to meet a few uh, new people this morning. So I just want to just extend a welcome um, from the Bridge Church here to you. Uh, we hope that someone has said hi to you. Hopefully, I am the fourth person that has said hi to you this morning so that you would know that you are welcome here and uh, part of God's family. I have a friend. Well, I have a lot of friends. Thank you, Lord. But I have this one friend that I've been thinking about this week. She's one of the most encouraging people I've ever known. I remember a time she was telling me a few years ago, that she was talking to this younger gal that she was mentoring. We were having a conversation. She said that she was talking to this younger gal and she was sharing some wisdom with this younger gal. And this, this younger gal, in her 20s at the time, she replied to receiving some of this wisdom and counsel from her mentor. She received it by saying something that she would say often. She said, hmm, that's good. I need to chew on that. That was kind of like a common thing that she would say. Wow, yeah, that's good. I really need to think about that. Or her, what she would say is, I need to chew on that. In which, finally, my friend replied after years of mentoring and conversations and lots of I need to chew on that, she finally said one day, you know, you need to quit chewing and start digesting. Isn't that how food works? It can taste good, but like Nacho Libre said, it gives you no nutrients <laughs> until you take it in, until it goes into the stomach. Isn't it what we say for someone who learns a task or a job or a hobby or a sport? They get in maybe later in the game than other people, but then they, their growth is like exponential. And we say stuff like, dude, they eat it up. Everything we give to them, they're just eating it up and they're growing and learning so much. You know, the Word of God is like that. We can hear things and we can go, mm, that's good. I need to chew on that. And we can chew and chew and chew and chew and and never get any nourishment. Nothing ever happens. We read, we could even understand what the text is saying and miss what God is saying. But the word of God is nourishment when we take it in. It starts to do stuff, nourishing stuff. Stuff that Paul said in in 1 Thessalonians when he was thinking about those guys in the letter he wrote. He said this to them. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So we've been going through Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's a letter in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul... He's a dude in the New Testament that God worked radically in his life. He loved religion, didn't know Jesus. Then he meets Jesus one day, flips the script on his whole upbringing, and he realized all this stuff I've been doing to try to please God, he says in chapter 3 of Philippians, is actually worthless. It was garbage once I met God, changed everything. And he says that the word of God that he would teach, he was like, it's not my word It's God's word. So we've been going through Paul's letter, words that he shared with his friend. And as we've been looking at the words from the letter to the Philippians, God has been speaking to us. We're in the last two weeks of our series, and the title for the next two weeks is the same, with two focuses. Title of this morning's message, what are you saying, Lord? Or you could say it like how I say it so what are you saying Lord I hope that that is a question that rolls off of your tongue often if you're a Bible reader a Jesus follower or even if you're opening the pages of scripture I hope that that sentence comes out of your at least out of your heart so what are you saying Lord Because you know the Bible is words written on a page, but over and over and over and over and over in Scripture, what are we told? He who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying, not read what is written down. God is speaking. Now, I don't know about what God has been speaking to you as we've been going through this series, but our next two weeks are going to be this. So what are you saying, Lord, to us as individuals this week? Next week we're going to end off with, so what are you saying, Lord, to us as a church? This week. What are you saying, Lord? Look back again at our passage, would you? And we're going to be picking a few things throughout Philippians so far. So if you're joining us for the first time today, it's the best day ever. Because I'm going to preach the whole book of Philippians in one message. Are you excited? Do you need to fill up your coffee? Do you need some food? I'm just kidding. It'll go quick. Let's look at our passage again, though, because it all kind of, Paul, remember I told you, Paul gets all machine gunny with his words and his thoughts towards the end of his letters. It's like he's been building this stuff, and then he's like, therefore, boom, boom, pray without ceasing, think about good things, all of this stuff, and then he gets to this. Look at verse 9, chapter 4, Philippians, verse 9. He says this, whatever you have learned, what have you learned? Whatever you have received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, digest it, and the God of peace will be with you. Then he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. Because he was in jail. They were a long ways away. But they sent Epaphroditus to him with some, with some money and with like some food, some encouragement. He's like, I'm not saying this because I want you to give me stuff. For I have learned to be content." Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. Does anybody know what it is to be in need? Like where you really need, where you're like, well, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't know how this is going to happen. Like we really need God to come through. And then he says, I know what it is to be in want. Have you ever been in a place where you're not in want? What's the opposite of want? Plenty, he says. You ever been in plenty? If we're honest, yeah we may not be in need we might just be in want I want some stuff but they have plenty where you're just like I'm so blessed how do I manage this well he's like I know what it is he's learned to be content in both things in every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want how I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me it's a great verse Tim Tebow put it on his face before he played a football game and it got really popular In context, it's given that no matter what is going on in life, there's a secret called contentment that happens from finding refuge in Jesus. That's the whole book of Philippians. So I want to talk about five things. We're going to go through five things that as we've been going through Philippians, whether you picked them up or missed them, God has been speaking these things to us as individuals. I'm going to read them out. You can tell me if you've been writing these things down over the past few weeks. If you haven't, Write them down this morning. Think about it. Number one is this. Contentment is a choice. Contentment is a choice. Contentment can be the base of operations if we want it to be. We are told more in Philippians than any other New Testament book to either rejoice or have joy or be continually rejoicing. Like 14 to 20 times, those words, in these four chapters, it says, therefore rejoice. So rejoice. All the while the letter was written from jail to a group of people that were going through hard times. You see, contentment comes from knowing the difference between enough and more. I've been thinking so much about this. Do you know the difference between enough and and more content people who operate from a base of contentment in their life they realize they have enough they are enough god's grace is enough what did paul say when he had a thorn in the flesh he said something that just drove him crazy in his own life but he realized it was actually a good thing because it kept him humble and he's like god please get me take this away god please take this away three times begging god paul was a good prayer (laughs) He did it a lot. And God's response was this My grace is enough for you. He knew enough. Contentment comes from enough. We live in a culture of more, which means you actually have to deprogram stuff on purpose to get to enough. Because enough isn't settling. Eh, he's good enough. She's good enough. Halfway is good enough. No, enough means it's complete so I can rest in it. That's what contentment is. When we see in others contentment, because I believe contentment is one of the greatest secrets of our era. I don't think we're new to it, but it's our turn to go through this. When you see someone who has contentment in their lives, what is the first question we ask? It's hilarious when you think about it. We think this. I'll I'll speak it for us. What do they have that I don't? They seem so happy. They seem so at peace. What do they have that I don't? They have their own home. They have well-behaved kids. They have a high-paying job. They have fill in the blank. But the better question, the truer question is this. What do they believe that I don't? Not what do they have that I don't. What is it that they believe that I don't? I don't know about you guys, but I'm a Proverbs reader. When you come across Proverbs, you come across gold nuggets like this one. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You know, the people that experience shelter from a storm are the people that run to the refuge. Hey, how are you being sheltered in this time? Well, I'm, I'm in refuge. I'm in, I'm in a safe place. Proverbs 14, 26, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for their children, it will be a refuge. You see, the truth is, and this is a hard truth. If you're not satisfied with what you currently have and where you're currently at, you won't be content with where you think you should be. Can I say it again? Because I really believe it. If you're not finding a season of contentment in where you're currently at with what you currently have, you won't find it with where you think you should be. attitude where it'll all be good if I can just get because well this is one of the main themes throughout scripture as you read the Old Testament and you're looking at people like Abraham for years it was confusing to me a little bit what God said to Abraham because he makes these radical promises your offspring will be like the stars of the sky. I'm going to build a whole people through you. All of this stuff. And then Abraham wants to honor God with his life. And so these other kings come to him and they have a proposition for him. They're like, if you serve us, we'll hook you up. We'll make you so rich. You'll be dialed in. You can do whatever you want for as long as you want. And Abraham goes, no, I can't do that because I don't ever want my life to be like you made me who I am because in my heart I'm God is making me who I am. So he turns down this great deal and then God comes to him and he then he's like you'll have these this offspring these this big promises. And then but this is what God says to Abraham. He goes, "I am your exceedingly great reward." That it wasn't in the stuff, it was in the who. And for, I was like, how is that like, because Abraham was probably, because how he responded, he wasn't like, yes, that's what I thought, It's awesome, God's my exceedingly great reward. He goes, but I don't have any kids, like how are you going to do this stuff you're saying you're going to do? Sometimes you're like, what does that even mean? God is my exceedingly great reward. What he's saying is there are things that we can find in him that we can't find anywhere else regardless of the circumstances of life Abraham knew this Moses knew this going to be Pharaoh growing up in Egypt I saw the movie but then there was something going on that just didn't sit right with him you know where he found contentment this will trip you out it wasn't in Egypt it was in the middle of the desert learning how to take care of sheep That's where he found contentment. And it was in that place of contentment that God said, okay, now you're ready. That's the type of leader I need. So many people, they learn from experience that refuge, contentment, security is not found in a place. It's in a person. And this is where Christianity differs from religion. I wouldn't say from all other religion. Religion says... God is in this place, and if you do good, you can get to him eventually. Maybe. Fingers crossed. But we don't have to get there. Because God in his grace came here. Think about that. Like, really, really, really think about that. If it is true that God doesn't just see us, but is with us, It like changes everything on the day-to-day. Like tomorrow's Monday, we have responsibilities. If God isn't just like watching over you, but is with you, that means that neither death nor life nor Monday nor Tuesday, nor ups nor downs nor fights nor the present nor the future, nor angels nor demons nor any powers no, the the highest of highs or the lowest of lows or anything in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus Amen. do you believe this because contentment is a choice the second thing Ted talked about it last week so thankful but jot this down we can retrain our brains Last week's message was epic. I'm not going to re-preach it because it's on the podcast. You can go listen to it. But it's one of the things that God has been speaking to us through Philippians. We know that our brains are being programmed all the time. Grooves are being reinforced. And right thinking is important because our thoughts influence our contentment. Proverbs again 14:30 says a heart at peace give life gives life to the body but envy rots the bones contentment gives life envy is like cancer do you think about more do you think more about what you have what you have or what others have it's been said that comparison is the thief of joy i believe it When we think about things, the grooves that are being in our brain, does it come from the place of what you have or what they have? We are encouraged here in Philippians to spend intentional time meditating is what it says. It means giving intentional thought, Meditating, meditating and praying. This is transformative because it builds new grooves into the brain. So how do you evaluate your thoughts? We were given a diagnostic tool last week. When thoughts enter the brain, before we entertain that thought and we give it the keys to the car of our minds and starts driving, we have to ask ourselves, is this true? That's the first thing. If it's not true, then get out of my car. Get out of my dreams. That's the old 90s. Did he? Anybody see the movie License to Drive back in the day? Yeah, old people. Is this thought true? If it's not true, it doesn't get to drive. That's where the Bible says you take your thoughts captive. You're allowed to do that. I say you put that thought in jail. No, no, no. You're not true. You don't get to drive. Is this noble? Is this right? Is this pure? Is this lovely? If this is admirable, it is. if not, we can choose to put those thoughts in jail and replace them with, through prayers to the Lord. Chapter 3, the beginning part of chapter 4, I mean. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, or these things of good report. meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. When there is worry, when there is lies, when there is deceit, does anybody have lies being spoken from yourself to yourself, or am I alone here? Is that thought true? It feels true, but is it true? No, that's not true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You could build a hundred of what you want for your life, but what God has is better. That's true. If you just had a million dollars, you would be a million dollar train wreck if you're a train wreck with a (laughs) hundred. Because you can't buy your way out of trouble. You can't buy, you can buy all sorts of happiness, but you can never buy peace. You need to think about it the right way. Let him replace worry for peace. Let God replace striving for contentment. As we are intentional in thinking about eternal things, you will begin to see a process happen in your life. The Bible in Romans chapter 12, it's either 8, 12 or 12, 8, Romans 8. No, Romans 12. But it says, do not be conformed, grooves, to the patterns of this world, but that you can actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the way that we think. God can write, He can write a new story. And if you, if you allow Him to, you will look back, because faith is the, is the windshield of life. We're driving. I'm going, Lord, I'm going forward. Help me to not get in a wreck. Guide me. The rear view mirror is where we see God's faithfulness. Where you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, he was leading me the whole time. I didn't know it in the moment because it was the windshield. It was faith. I was driving. But when I look back, I'm like, the Lord was with me. That strengthens our faith. Spend intentional time thinking and thanking God. The third one is this. This one's important. Rub shoulders with the right people. Philippians talks a lot about who we're with. Now next week I'm going to talk about what this means as the church. So we won't go too much into it. But I will say this. We are meant to do this living thing together. I had a great lunch with someone, uh, a buddy, last week. And we shared this in common. And as we were talking, he was telling me, you know, part of why I walked away and was trying to figure out if church was for me and this whole deal was for me is because it's like I would show up And I still felt so alone. It was like everyone knew what they were supposed to be doing and had it figured out. And I'm over here by myself trying to be like, God, are you there? I'm praying, but I can't like see you and I can't like measure my progress and how tall I am and what percentile I'm in with height and weight and faith. And he felt so alone. I think a lot of us do. And the best place to hide is in a group of people. So oftentimes the people who like really look like or have strong opinions about others, they kind of maybe aren't in the best place themselves. But we're not meant to do this thing alone. We're meant to do it together. Who were the Pauls in your life? Remember chapter 2. Who were the Timothys in your life? Who were you pouring yourself into? Not just like giving advice, but sharing life with them. Who are your Epaphroditus? What a weird name, poor guy. I would have called him Pappy for short. But who are your brothers and sisters, shoulder to shoulder, walking, doing life together? Why is this important? Because the people you rub shoulders with will rub off on you. There's like the business thing, and I forget the guy's name, but it came out years ago. And it says, like, you are the sum average of the five people you hang out with. And some people read that and they spend the rest of their life trying to say that that's not true and prove it wrong. But the reality is, the Bible says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Like, our moms were on to something. Or our grandmoms, if your mom didn't tell you. Somewhere along the line, someone said... You, you know, you walk with those people, they're going to drag you down. Yeah, it's biblical. But you know what? If you walk with these people, it's going to lift you up. The people you rub shoulders with rub off on you. So who do you rub shoulders with? First of all, what do you want out of life? Do you ever ask that question to yourself? Joshua says, as for me and my... He says, look, you go and you do what you want. As for me... And my house, we're going to be about the Lord. This is what we want in our home. I, didn't have it all, I don't have it all figured out, but I know who I want to be. I know who I want to be like because I believe this stuff. I want to be like Jesus. I'm not trying to like be a hippie and like wear weird stuff and go out. Because Jesus, he's a revolutionary. He's, he's my leader, my shepherd. And he says, I know what's better for you. And I say, I don't see it in the moment, but I believe it. And I'm going to step to it. Those are the people I surround myself with. In order to be wise in our relationships, we need to know what we want out of life and what the people we're walking with want out of life. Let me tell you a couple things that's okay to ask people in your life. What do you want? What are you, walk, what are you walking towards? What are you building? What are you learning? What are you currently learning in this season of life? If someone doesn't have an answer for you, that would be a red flag for me. Because when you're not learning, you've said at a place where, of arriving, None of us arrive. This side of eternity. This side of dying. This is a hard question because it might actually become apparent that there are some relationships in your life, people you're rubbing shoulders with that are rubbing off on you that are bad. One of the hardest things we can do in the moment And one of the best things in life that we can look back on is when we make relational changes. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about, when Paul was talking about the uh, watch out for those people? And we said stuff like if every time someone begins a sentence, they start this sentence with how much experience they have. Well, I've been doing this for... 40 years, so, and then they say what they're going to say. It's like they have to preload everything with, like, this, how much experience. Watch out for people like that. Don't tell me about your experience. Show me by your experience. I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus. I was thinking about it again this week, sharing it with someone. They were asking about my story. And um, dude, I lost all my friends. Like, I didn't, like, lose them. Like, where did they go? I was, They were right here, I swear. I, I had to walk a different direction. God brought us back, some of us, in time. Two of the five of us died in the next year, year and a half. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Looking back, it was one of the best right turns of my life. It was hard, but it was good. Who are you walking with? The fourth one is this. Fourth thing, the Lord has been speaking to us as individuals. You can't change your circumstances, but you can change your process. You can't change your circumstances, get me out of this, but you can change your process. What is this for? What are you doing? Sub point is this, humility allows us to keep growing. Pride stunts your growth. I remember people I follow this one gal on Instagram. She's funny. She's like a Gen X spokesperson. And she just says the funniest stuff. She was like, does this whole thing about like, yeah, we didn't have Instagram and all this stuff. This is what we had. And she pulls out her glamour shots. Anybody remember glamour shots? But I can't tell you how many times, this is a Gen X thing. We always thought, number one, that we could get kidnapped at any moment that quicksand was like, you got to freaking watch out for quicksand. It's out there. That, what a letdown that was. Quicksand was way less of a thing than I thought it was going to be in life. I just was like, I mean, I would watch like Conan the Barbarian and like Beast those things, and they were stuck in quicksand, and you need ferrets to like come down and toss you a rope so you can crawl out. I was always looking out for quicksand. And then the other one, there's a point to this. The other one, was things that stunt your growth. Everything was going to stunt your growth. Don't eat that. It'll stunt your growth. Don't eat that. It'll stunt your growth. You know the the, the thing that'll stunt your growth in your walk with the Lord is pride. Humility is like vitamins. God loves humility. You are so easy to bless when you're humble. Humility brings contentment because you're good with where you're at. Let's... How do we help someone else? How do we build up somebody else? God's got me. I'm good. Humility, awesome. Pride, stunt your growth. I love this saying, someone who is wise beyond their years. I love that saying. I don't like this saying. Because you can see someone who's wise beyond their years, young and wise. Wisdom does not a byproduct of age. It's not. You can be young and wise and you can be old and immature. Pride stunts your growth. Let me tell you a story. This week I was talking to one of my best, my best friends. He lives in Denver. We were just chopping it up and we were talking about the, he's, a, he's a business owner and for the past like seven years his business has been like up and to the right, this way. Charging. Like growing so much. Started out, you know, 500,000 in sales. And they were like, oh my gosh, you started this business, 500,000 in sales. Now it's like hundreds of employees. Like the numbers are much bigger. And he's at a meeting in the past couple of weeks and things since COVID, they, they've turned a corner. They're going down. The unit numbers are much smaller than they were a couple of years ago and he has people in his company freaking out. People are freaking out because they're down in profit. But this is what makes him so great at what he does is because he's not looking at the the numbers and then reacting like, oh my gosh, we're failing. He actually understands that people are doing business differently two years after COVID than they were during. They're reshaping their own business where they need less outside help. So they have to hire less people to come in because they realized they were operating. So what he's, instead of freaking out, how do we make more money? He's looking at the process. He's like, businesses are doing better on their own. And so our role in this, he has a a company that that they bring in um, extra help Like you can hire a staff from him, a staffing company. And he's like, people are doing business differently. So he's not like, oh my gosh, we're losing. He's like, God, what are you doing in the midst? He's a humble guy, an amazing leader. He's a thermostat, not a thermometer. You know the difference? Thermometer tells you the temperature. Thermostat sets the temperature. We're so like, oh my gosh, I'm up. Oh my gosh, I'm down. But that contentment, that God has got me, that humility, Brings a place of steadiness. We all have this like baseline of operation as individuals. God wants to build a baseline of humility in your life. The world, led by, yes, the devil, wants to build a baseline of pride in your life. My kingdom, my will, my page, my image, my money, my little slice of this thing. It's a kingdom built around me. Someone who is experiencing contentment and refuge in Jesus says, I'm good. God is doing a thing. I want to, my baseline is, what, he, what is he doing? Lord, what are you doing in this? I don't understand in the moment but I know that you are good I'm looking to you God is building the kingdom that's a baseline of humility and it's a very easy easily blessable mindset and heartset we're all building something kind of one of two kingdoms we are encouraged work out your own salvation with fear and trembling Philippians says, it means like think about what you're doing with what you have and know who you're doing it for and with. Do with a little what you swear you would do with a lot. Do with a little what you swear you would do with a lot. Man, if I just won the lottery, has anyone seriously thought about winning the lottery before? I have, just for fun. What would I do? and all the cool stuff, trust me, I would buy some stuff. It's on there. But if you would do life so much differently with the lottery, if it would be so much different than where you're at now, that is a red flag. Oh, if I had this much, then I would start building God's kingdom. Then I would start using what I have to make sure other people are okay. Then I would prioritize these things. Do with a little what you swear you would do with a lot, Put into practice now, this is how I say it, be faithful with with what God has entrusted to you now and watch him begin to work. Last but not least, connection is key. I don't know if you guys have been feeling this for your own life as we've been going through Philippians, but this is a big one. Connection is key. Let's finish up with these verses. Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. He's not saying, I never had any problems. And trust me, this is the second second time he'd been in jail. Is it Corinthians where you read about the laundry list of all the stuff that has happened to Paul? Shipwrecked twice, in jail, bitten by snakes, beaten he had had some rough seasons, but he also wasn't like, woe is me, because he had had some, some, some good seasons as far as like stuff being taken care of. The Philippians were part of that. They were like funding him and being, helping him to be able to, to do well. He's like, but I know what it is to be in need. I know what it, it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all of this and circle this. Through whom? Who gives me strength? Or through Christ or whatever translation of Bible you have. Paul is saying that in every situation, the key to contentment is connection to Jesus. The best way to stay connected to someone It's to stay connected to someone. You know, it's easier, what is it? It's easier to keep going than it is to start going. You ever heard that? I'm going to start working out this year. I think you actually start working out when you're six weeks into your workout. The first six weeks is just giving yourself enough, like, I got to do this. It's hard to start. Relationally in our lives, we've grown apart, you might say, about a friend or this. Or even like within your home, if your home feels like there's this gap and people write songs about it, so we know it's common, like ships in the night, we're passing each other by. There's all this space. How do we get back? With points of connection. Paul was... About God's kingdom. Why? Because he was, in his own life, there was like this personal faith of, God, you're with me. We're together. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. Not through my intelligence or my degree or all those works of the flesh that we want to heap onto ourselves. Because that's what culture says. He's like, no, man, that stuff didn't do it. It was in this place of hardship I was praying and I was exchanging lies for truth and I was like God be with me. Like that's street level Christianity. It's like raw. It's like in my life on a Wednesday afternoon when the bills are coming in and I don't know how we're going to make it. It's stopping and being like God you say you've got me. I don't feel it in the moment but I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to Take the low road of humility and make sure my coworkers are doing okay. I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. Because you tell me, do you see a person who excels in what they do? They will not stand before a common men. You promise peace and a future for me and my family, so I'm going to do this. That's a life of faith. And then you do it, and you watch God come through, and you come back, and you look back, and you're like, dude, that was crazy. Look at what God did. And then we have the temptation to be like, I hope that never happens again. The best way to stay connected is to connect daily. That's how I connect with my wife. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? What's today look like? I'll see you at lunch. Text message. See you at dinner. What time are you going to be home? You know, God is like a person. He wants to connect with us through his word. So it's not like, hey, what did you read today? Mm -mm. Hey, what did God say today? What did you hear? Start off on the right foot. All right, I'll skip all that. Connection is key. Contentment is quieter than our world lets us know that it has to be. Because contentment isn't achievement contentment isn't this big thing that you have to go do and be like boom now I'm content see my house boom now I'm content do you see my this that, or the other it's life is hard but God is working all things together for good contentment looks more like this let me read these verses for you in Ephesians and then we'll close this off it says this in Ephesians chapter 3 starting in verse 16 I think this is a little closer to what we're talking about. This is a prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit to your inner being. Some translations say this, that you would be strengthened in the inner man, in the inner parts of your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established of love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Contentment is quieter than you think. It happens in the still places. It happens in the tough places. So I don't know what you're going through personally. I know that we're all going through stuff. I do know that. I do know that we have relationships in our life that we wish we were better. I know we have things that we did we wish we got a do-over on that one. That God's grace is, is like the most radical do-over ever. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know the reasons for it but I do know that in it God does have purposes and that he can do things through it and we can rest in him and find contentment in life regardless of where we're at. I think this is what Paul was writing in his letter you guys know that they didn't get it like okay we're gonna do a six-week study on Philippians we got this letter guys it's gonna be great I'm gonna break it down and all the words will rhyme and our points will start with the letter G they read it as a letter and then they would pour over it that's where we get themes and they were like pulling these themes out of contentment and humility and they would read it again and read it again they would read it to the end, and they'd be like, this, Paul wrote this. And then they would say, so what are you saying, God? That's what we want to do too. I don't want to just teach stuff and be like, okay, what's next? On to the next thing. Because if you missed any of those points, just to let you know, God's been speaking those things. And if he has been speaking them to you on your own, and now I'm sharing them from up here on Sunday, Be excited about that because I call those Holy Spirit high fives where you're just like, yes, Lord, I was just reading about that. I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking that humility in my life is like, it's actually my strength, not my weakness. And then something is said on a Sunday or you have a conversation with someone, those are Holy Spirit high fives like, yes, I am speaking to you. Yes, you are hearing me correctly. Yes, keep going. That's what it lo- looks like to live from a baseline of grace. That's what it looks like to have a refuge in Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I want for our church family. Amen? All right, let's pray. As we're praying, um, we'll sing this last song, and then uh, we'll we'll dismiss you right afterwards. So, Father, thank you for today. I uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're